Welcome back to Tea Takes. I'm Thomasina. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Thomasina on Twitter as It's Thomasina or pretty much anywhere else as It's Thomasina because let's face it, Thomasina's taken on almost everything but not Twitch. Anyway, I have spent the tail end of my day having some really important but pretty difficult and confusing and nuanced conversations and don't want to get too deep into it simply because I don't feel like I have all of the information. I don't feel like I'm well equipped to give anyone any advice or make a determination on what's the truth or what's the right thing. But I, I do think that it's something that people should talk about. And it's a discussion that's been going on for, well, weeks. And I'm, I, I never thought that I would find myself in this position on it, mainly because I just haven't been put in that position before. It didn't seem like something that I would naturally fall into, but here we are. So... Without going too far and accidentally saying something that I will regret later, that will put egg on my face, or what have you, I have been playing and streaming a game called Atomic Heart. For those who don't know anything about it, I would actually describe it as like a love child of... Bioshock and Fallout with a Russian reskin, a USSR reskin. It has been highly anticipated. A lot of people have been very excited about this game. I guess it's been in development for about five years. So people have been waiting a really long time for it. And it sounded really interesting. I was a huge fan of Bioshock. Um, all three games really, and this is probably the most controversial take, is that Bioshock Infinite was my absolute favorite. I didn't play much of the Fallout games, but what I did play I really enjoyed. I think I kind of bummed around Fallout 4 for a really long time and just didn't get around to finishing it, um, which I probably will do eventually, someday. But I had the opportunity to play Atomic Heart, I, I was given a copy of the game for free. So this was this was a, a promotional thing. Um, and once that work was done, you know, it, it happens a lot as a streamer. It, it's one of the main ways I find games that I love. Honestly, it's a lot of times you will get connected with a studio and receive a copy of the game for free. And, well, now you've had a chance to try it, and once your obligations are complete, now you have this game and, and usually a ton more content left within it that you can still use, and you'll just go, okay, well, I'm interested in finishing it, so I'll just decide to stream it. And that's what I ended up doing with Atomic Heart. The first four hours or so that I played... I found myself interested enough. Um, it was a really pretty game. There were some quirks. I wouldn't categorize it as the same caliber as Bioshock or Fallout. 
or a lot of the other like single player RPG games that I've played, it has a lot of kind of indie studio, just rough cut vibes to it. There's like visual things that happen sometimes that the rest of the game, it just doesn't feel like it should still have those issues. It sounds like the English version of all of the voice acting, a lot of things just didn't quite translate. I haven't really had a problem with the voice acting as far as finding it believable. Um, and I seem to be in the minority on that. The biggest problem that I have with it is that so much of the story gets bulldozed by by God knows what. You'll you'll be having a conversation, you know, there's dialogue happening that's telling you the story, and then it's interrupted by the story or another piece of the story or a, a dumb quip from the, the player character, and it just gets completely run over. Um, I've found that a little bit frustrating. Some of the scenes seem to play out really long, so I'm not terribly surprised that they get interrupted because it, sometimes it feels like they just don't end. But, but it's like, it, the, the story isn't uninteresting. So, you know, is was it developed with the expectation that most players wouldn't actually be interested in it and would be just kind of skipping through things to try and get back to the action? Or is this something they really didn't look at or really didn't have time to look at in five years? With that being said, I can go on about all of the I guess, grievances I have about the, the design and development of this game. But overall, I have found it enjoyable. I was compelled enough, like I kind of went to bed thinking about it after like my obligation to it was done. And I was like, you know what? I would like to dive back into that world and just vibe, you know, shooting robots and all of this stuff. It's it's fun. There's there's fun puzzle elements to it. And there there are parts of the story that are really compelling when you have any idea what is going on. Now, it was brought to my attention today that there's an entire controversy surrounding the release of this game. And it feels awfully familiar because it, it feels like we've kind of just started to move out of the Hogwarts legacy outrage. And I want to preface by saying that I have no intention of purchasing, playing, or streaming Hogwarts Legacy, just based on my own values. So to find out that there was something somewhat similar happening with a game that I had, I had already gotten myself invested in without really knowing, uh, it was tough. It was tough. It was uncomfortable. And it still is, to be honest. I was made aware that despite the fact that when you know when I looked up the developers, they're based in Cyprus, and there is a laundry list of countries that the developers that that work for this company hail from, none of which include Russia. And what I'm finding out is that the company used to be based in Moscow and eventually moved. That now, now they're operating away from Russia. Um, and normally that wouldn't strike me as odd. 
I don't, maybe it's me, maybe, maybe I'm being naive, but the concept of a company moving out of Russia, especially at a time like this, doesn't strike me as odd or suspicious. I, I guess I wouldn't immediately assume that a company still has pro-Russian sentiments simply because they left Russia. Uh, I wouldn't assume that they were like harboring any sort of like covert operation to continue supporting the country that they left. Some folks have done some sleuthing and looked into like the investors behind this studio and have said that, you know, these are these are pro-Russian companies. These are like pretty adamantly Russian supporting companies that have invested in this game studio. And this was not something that I had been aware of. The other issue is, and this, this is where I kind of start to disagree, there's this categorization of the game itself as being pro-Russian propaganda, as in trying to shift sentiments, you know, in globally toward Russia. And I think on a very, very superficial, just tertiary glance at the subject matter of the game, like just a, a super superficial knee-jerk reaction would be to say, yes, this is Russian propaganda because it is set in a alternate history where the USSR won the war and made these massive technological advancements and has become this glorious utopia. There's, I mean, there is, there's USSR propaganda splattered all over this game. And it very well could be that I've been kind of conditioned to process patriotism, really, in this way, largely by video games. But as I've been playing through this, it, you could probably guess, like, no spoilers involved, the utopia falls apart. It undoubtedly becomes a dystopia. There is a major, major failing that, that becomes the central plot of this game, that the central conflict of this game. Everything falls apart. So that idealized view is really just serving as a contrast to when the shit hits the fan later. And in many ways, you can argue that it's a criticism of this blind patriotism, this, this propaganda. And like I said, I really don't want to get too deep into it because I, I just worry that I don't have all of the information. I don't want to speak to something that I'm not educated on. It's something that I'm going to have to look into a lot more. But my immediate reaction based on, like I said, I, I really, really enjoyed playing the, the Bioshock series and uh, what bit of Fallout that I have seen. And when I hear this kind of take on Atomic Heart being pro-Russia propaganda, I kind of think back to my first impression of Bioshock and Fallout. Both Bioshock and Fallout have these, you know, utopian societies that you get a glimpse of. Um, at least in Bioshock Infinite, you are you are there right away in the exact same way that you are in Atomic Heart. You are in the middle of that utopia and everything is is fine. 
particularly with Bioshock Infinite, you are immediately just assaulted with all of this like American patriotism, red, white, and blue everywhere. And when I think back, and this could be a unique reaction, but when I think back to when I first played that game, the patriotism felt so foreboding. It felt almost farcical. It, it, it not, not even almost. It, it felt like a farce that was trying to mock a, a, a time where that was considered normal. It feels so weird to imagine living in a world like that, that even though that appears to be the sentiment that the characters are having about their country in the game, as an outsider, you're still looking at that and going, oh, that's weird. <laughs> that's, uh, it, it's, part of that is like how a lot of us you know, when I see people arguing that we need to be st stating the Pledge of Allegiance in schools every single day, I'm like, how can you watch that and not feel this, like, sinking pit in your stomach? Like, oh, I am looking at indoctrination. I am looking at something insidious and nefarious. That's the feeling I got from Bioshock. It's the feeling I got from the elements of patriotism in Fallout again, you know, pre-disaster. And it's the feeling that I got from Atomic Heart. I, at no point in playing the, the beginning of this game, even before anything went wrong, felt like it was a world I wanted to live in. And I didn't feel like the game was trying to convince me of that. I felt, it, I felt like I was in on a joke with the game, I guess is one way to put it. That said... I can't speak to how the rest of the story plays out. I, I can tell you that everything has turned to shit. There's been talks of conspiracies and nefarious dealings, bad actors, people being evil and self-serving and pretending to have the best interests of others at heart. All of which makes me feel like it has taken a critical stance but nothing has indicated that to me beyond a shadow of a doubt as of yet. And it may not, because I I truly may never continue my playthrough of this game. While it's possible, in my mind, and my imagining of, of how the world works, which is definitely naive or, or at minimum uninformed, that the developers of this game have no pro-Russian sentiments or beliefs or intentions with this game and simply left that country because it just wasn't really a nice country to live in, it is still possible that the fact that there are pro-Russia investors involved in the development of the game and, and of the studio does mean that there is a distinct possibility that a portion of the funds that this game receives will go towards the Russian war effort. It's just based on what I have been seeing, stuff that I just really didn't realize, but I mean, makes total sense, is just that there is more control that the Russian government has over the money that Russian companies 
make. It's just not something that I would have considered as an American citizen. We have taxes here in the U.S., and arguably some of our tax dollars will go to things that we as American citizens maybe don't agree with that our government is doing in other countries. But my understanding is just that it's it's a different level. It's something that they can just seize whenever they see fit. And for that reason, I am leaning towards the the side of the argument that says don't directly support this game or or drive revenue towards it. And in my case, I didn't pay for the game, but by streaming it, there's a possibility that someone will go, oh, that looks like a pretty cool game. You know, someone that wouldn't have purchased it otherwise sees me playing it and and decides to. Of course, another really good argument uh, that uh, Golden Shadow made in my Discord is that, and I, I'm guilty of this a lot of times too, sometimes people will watch streamers play a game so that they don't have to play it. I think there's so much more of that out there in this industry that we all realize. We all kind of assume that we're trying to sell the games that we're playing. And in many cases we are, uh, but that is um, that is just an interesting take on it. So I'm, I'm still considering it. There's still a lot more that I have to learn and look at, be considerate of. But for now, at minimum, it's on pause. You know, the way that I look at it is I would rather maybe disappoint people a little bit by not playing it than to have even the smallest risk of doing harm by playing it. It's a video game. It's not even that good. I, I would not. The reality is, is that I would not be playing it if I hadn't received it for free. There is nothing about this game that would have truly convinced me. I mean, if someone walked up to me and said, look, this is it. This is this is the next Bioshock. Didn't you like Bioshock? You're going to love this game. Maybe. But it still would have taken a lot of convincing at a $60 price point. I think the, the deluxe version is literally $99, which is absolutely insane. But that's that's what it boils down to me at the end of the day. I am not so desperate to play this game that I'm willing to risk contributing to something atrocious. Um, and I felt the same way about Hogwarts Legacy. Ironically, I have not noticed a similar discussion around Escape from Tarkov, which, and I, I doubt there's anybody listening who doesn't know about it, but uh, if you don't know Escape from Tarkov, it's a, it's a multiplayer, it's kind of a, a new genre of its own. Um, they're calling it, you know, a, a looter extract shooter. I, the term is something like that, but, but loot and extract is, is the main key term there. It's a, it's meant to be a really hardcore, a, a really hardcore, brutal, punishing experience. And, and it asks a lot of the player. I have been an incredibly unskilled player of Escape from Tarkov for a couple of years, mainly just to play with a couple of friends that were, were already embroiled in it. And I've enjoyed it. I have, I am big on the survival genre in general, so it kind of scratches that for me. I've gotten more and more interested in first-person shooters as I've just been 
in the the streaming and gaming world more closely. So it's it's one that I have enjoyed. But it is absolutely a Russian game. It is made by, as far as I know, a 100% Russian dev team. Um, most of them are from Moscow. The company itself is based in London, I believe. And I do find it interesting that I have seen absolutely no discussion of this uh, since the Ukraine invasion. That there's nobody saying don't purchase Escape from Tarkov because of XYZ. And perhaps now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it is that they don't have ties to these very outwardly Russian-leaning investors. Um, that's, again, something that I would just have to look into. But regardless of all of that, you know, the, the game has been made incredibly popular. It has been around much longer than the Ukraine invasion, and that is the only thing I can imagine that really sets it apart from Atomic Heart. Atomic Heart, you know, it came out after. So now we have the choice of purchasing or not purchasing, whereas with Tarkov, we all either, you know, most of us already, you know, paid for our accounts well prior to the invasion. I want to leave the Ukraine stuff aside, but I want to keep talking about Tarkov because it has been so heavily discussed on streamer Twitter, on streams. It is embroiled in a completely different kind of controversy. And in some ways, I just... It, it, feels, it feels lighthearted compared to what we were just talking about. So let's do it. Battlestate Games is under fire because they have all of a sudden decided to crack down on what they call RMT uh, behaviors in-game. So RMT stands for real money transfer or uh, real money transaction. The, the T is, is one of those or something similar, but it's essentially the act of purchasing in-game items with real money from someone, usually someone who cheated or hacked the game in order to get those items. It's a practice that has been around since the dawn of gaming. Uh, I know somebody who shall not be named that was very recently banned from World of Warcraft for a pretty similar thing. Um, and I'll be laughing about it to my grave. It's generally assumed to encourage cheating and sort of wreck the balance of the in-game economy and the in-game skill gap. It, it gives somebody an advantage that they wouldn't otherwise have had if they had had to rely on their own skill and knowledge of the game. All of that aside, the, the way the way that Battlestate Games has chosen to combat this is to essentially flag users who hit some arbitrary threshold for the amount of items that they've brought into a raid or into a session, basically, of Escape from Tarkov, and handed those items to another player. Which is what would happen in an RMT transaction. It's also what frequently happens, I mean, hundreds of thousands of times a day in this game, 
with people who are just playing together. It's very much a game where if you are ahead, if you're way ahead in your progress on the game, you can so easily help out a player that is just getting started, a player who's having trouble. There are items and, and different kinds of ammo that you can purchase at super high levels after you've unlocked certain like merchants that that item would really help out a player who's just getting started or is you know it's it's something that they would have trouble finding so a lot of times you help them out it's it's something i've done it's something that i've had done for me you know just bringing bringing somebody some money because they're low on money uh, in the game, they had a bad couple of raids, bringing someone armor because it's the only thing that they're missing from a proper kit and really the only way that they're going to survive the next raid. And if you're playing with friends, I mean, it's it's not always altruism. It can be really, really frustrating to want to play with your friend who is stuck on a starter task and can't really progress past that, can't can't level up any of their skills or or come into a raid properly armed. A lot of times it really is in your best interest to help out your buddy. And it's something that has grown these amazing and super helpful, super tight-knit communities, usually around streamers. It's also, most importantly, I think, kept people engaged in the game. It's one of those games that can be so punishing repeatedly. I mean, there are times when if you're doing badly enough, it is remarkably easy to genuinely land it like zero rubles, no money whatsoever, no gear, no way to actually go into a raid and accomplish anything without just instantly dying, uh, and usually to AI. It's so easy to get basically bottlenecked from even playing the game if you want to, that oftentimes it results in people just not really being interested in playing anymore. You know, you'll, you'll sign off because you have nothing to go in and play with. And, you know, hours, days pass and you haven't even thought about the game because you were basically forced out of continuing your session and continuing to play. So in my opinion, the ability to bring items to other players that wouldn't otherwise have those items and keep in mind, you always run the risk of dying with those items before you can get them to the other person. There's a couple of things that you can fit into uh, a special container, basically, that you know no one can, can loot out of. Even if you do die, you will always come back with it. But outside of that, there is no guarantee that you won't just die instantly at the beginning of the raid, especially with a game that has such a prevalent cheating issue. But it seems that Battlestate games are concerned enough about the exploitation of RMT services that they are willing to temporarily and permanently ban accounts that meet some arbitrary threshold. Um, one of the players to get hit with a ban like this is actually a very prominent streamer of the game. Um, his name is Vibin. I can't say that I have ever watched um, his content, but he's he's clearly well-liked in the Tarkov streaming community. And if I remember right, was actually the first player, this wipe, to reach the, the ultimate achievement, which is a, a Kappa container. It's basically the, the biggest 
keep all your shit from the raid container that you can have. So basically you can leave the raid with more stuff than anybody else. But it is at the end of a massive, massive, massive line of quests. It's essentially every quest in the game with some exceptions um, that are all increasingly difficult and frankly tedious to complete. But this is this is a really well-loved and prominent member of the community that has been banned from the game because of... So, I guess I shouldn't say that because there's some question as to what exactly it was about. The assumption was that it was a ban based on RMT or basically receiving too much stuff in a raid or in a series of raids. We don't know. We don't know what the threshold is for it. In a couple of really, like, exclusive places, like exclusive Sherpa and streamer partner discords in the Tarkov community, it has been revealed that the ban was not for RMT behavior, but they still won't disclose what the ban was actually for. Now, like I said, I, I don't know the first thing uh, about this particular creator, but looking at it from the outside, yes, it's completely possible that this player was up to something nefarious and that that was the real reason for the ban and Battlestate just hasn't chosen to disclose that or they have and this player just has not chosen to disclose their disclosure for obvious reasons. But what's got a lot of people really, really fired up is exactly that. It's the lack of disclosure and the lack of transparency as to what is allowed in-game. And this is something that I have sort of experienced or, or, or sort of witnessed in games before, where there's kind of a culture among players of what is and isn't okay to do in a game, whether or not it's something that is that, that players have the ability to do within the parameters of the game without altering the code, without cheating or, or hacking. Um, Dead by Daylight is a big example. There is, it's, it's a really, it's an interesting genre of game, this like asymmetric, like survivor killer mechanic, where sometimes what I would consider as someone who's not a regular player of the game, something that I would consider a no-brainer action. So, for instance, the killer standing in front of one of the survivors and just whacking them to death over and over again so that they are eliminated from the game and then just doing that with all the rest of the players. That's not something that strikes me as strange behavior, but there's this kind of, like, unspoken law between the players that that's like that's toxic like that's not cool to do and people get really really angry when when that happens in game people really frown upon that behavior and yet that behavior is completely possible within the existing parameters of the game there is nothing stopping anyone from doing that transferring gear in raid in Escape from Tarkov is a pretty similar thing. There's nothing stopping you from transferring a bunch of items to someone else, with some exceptions. There are, like, items from the game that are picked out, just, just cherry-picked, piecemeal, 
that have specific restrictions on it where you cannot bring it in a raid and hand it to another person. So presumably everything that this player was transferring or, or having transferred to them was not designated at an earlier time by Battlestate Games as something that you cannot transfer to another player in raid. It's, it's something they obviously looked at and decided, though, these items aren't an issue. And it's something that is within their power to do. I've seen people talk about the amount of ammunition in, in some screenshots of what this player was getting, that it was just like, like 12,000 bullets of the best ammo in the game, something like that. And that that's, without being a game developer or a programmer, uh, no, I mean, knowing that I couldn't put sodium in my gamma container in Raid once, I think it's fair to say that it's entirely possible for Battlestate Games to put a limit on the number of bullets that one can bring into a raid and hand to another player. That that there's a limit on the number of armor uh, items, you know, that, that you're not able to bring in four slicks. Maybe you're only allowed to bring in two, one for you and one for the other guy, or or even just one. It doesn't seem outside of the realm of possibility that that can be limited. Instead, they seem to want to just put some arbitrary number on it that they will not disclose, so no one will know if they're breaking the rules until they've already received some kind of punishment for it. And then make absolutely no public statements. And this is the main place that I take issue, and it's, it's elitism, frankly. There was a statement made by Battlestate Games in a specifically Twitch-partnered content creator Discord server for Escape from Tarkov, where the statement was made that they will be looking more closely at transferring items in raid and that it would be considered boosting. The, the word boosting was used, that it, it is no longer... A behavior that will be tolerated and to to refrain from it um one thing that i do understand is not being super specific on what exactly is their threshold of detection of, of rmt but to not even give a range and then to make this announcement in a highly exclusive place there is no chance that that I and as a an affiliated Twitch streamer that hap just happens to play Tarkov in my off time sometimes and occasionally streams it, there was no chance that I was ever going to catch wind of basically new rules, new rules surrounding behavior that is not prohibited or made impossible by the programming of the game. There was no chance that I was ever going to see this announcement or or know about it or know what kinds of behaviors to avoid if it weren't for creators like Pestily, who is an incredible and highly, highly regarded uh, Escape from Tarkov streamer, taking this message and making it public and distributing it to... Um, their community and and everyone outside of that, everyone in the larger Escape from Tarkov community, that is a practice that is completely 
unacceptable to me. But it starts to get really weird when you take into account what has happened over the last week. The Battlestate Games Twitter account has out of the blue unfollowed every single Escape from Tarkov content creator that they had previously been following. And immediately people were up in arms about it. Understandably, not because it's so important to be followed by a, a game dev studio on, on Twitter. It's, you know, there, there's some kind of validation that comes with it. Um, but, but there's a number of reasons why a, a business Twitter essentially could decide to unfollow someone or, or a number of people. But it was the fact that it kind of came in tandem with this perceived attack on content creators specifically. And that's part of it that I don't think I've really explained. So what makes this gear transfer crackdown particularly troubling for content creators is that often, and it has actually happened for me, even with like maybe 20, 30 average viewers at the time, um, this has happened to me where streamers will get what's called a viewer kit. A viewer will decide, hey, it'd be really cool if you went into a raid um, with a an MP153 with six flashlights attached to it and wore a welding helmet and absolutely nothing else. They just want to put the streamer in stupid stuff. Sometimes they want to put the streamer in really good gear and help them and, and help them achieve their goals and and slay out. I have had both instances. Usually when I get a viewer kit, it's because someone has been watching me play this game and they're seeing how absolutely abysmal I am at it. And they're like, oh, honey, let me help you. But once or twice, I got basically a meme kit. And it's fun. It's 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 content. It's it's interesting. It's fun for the viewer. They get a little bit of interaction and attention and and kind of praise for how creative they were. And the streamer gets basically free content. You know, you 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 got to try and run around a dark place with a big fat you know welding gorilla helmet on, and the heaviest armor in the entire game, but you know a a, a tiny pistol or five bullets. You know. Or no gun at all, and, and all you get is grenades. Like, it's it's fun. It's exciting. It's a new way to play and enjoy the game. And obviously, as you get into the higher higher popularity streamers, they start to get a lot of viewer kits um, or have, like, specific days where people are allowed to bring them kits. Um, and sometimes they get a lot of really good loot in in a single day. So it's something that kind of disproportionately it's a position that streamers disproportionately find themselves in. And so we're seeing a lot of content creators getting affected by it or, or being worried that they're going to be affected by it. And then the conversation around that is basically, well, is that an unfair advantage as a streamer? You know, by being a streamer, are you unfairly getting extra gear um, and, and getting a leg up on this game and is that fair to the people who, who aren't streamers and don't get a bunch of gear from a, a gaggle of viewers that, that want to see them succeed? And my feeling is, yes, it is a little unfair, 
but it's not so big of a change. Most of these streamers are in the place that they are as far as success in streaming because they are incredibly good at this game. You'd be hard-pressed to find a Tarkov streamer that is over a 50, 60 CCV average even, who isn't very, very skilled at the game. And I feel that if they've earned that place where they are just getting this constant influx of high-tier loot from their viewers, it's because they, they earned that position and it's not going to make a major difference in their gameplay anyway. It's stuff that they pretty much could have gotten with, I don't know, an extra two hours of their day, whereas it would have taken a regular player, I mean, six weeks. I, I don't know. Um, I don't think the advantage is that huge. Um, and I don't think that there's anybody truly being negatively affected by the positive effect that these streamers are getting from their from their notoriety. But the other interesting thing that happened recently that I think people kind of forgot about was I think a week, week or two prior to this RMT discussion happening and these these bans was Battlestate Games deciding to remove specifically content creators from their Sherpa program. And the Sherpa program is precisely what you think it means. It's it's someone who is all but certified by the developers of the game as an expert on the game and someone who can guide you through it and, and help you. When you add that to the puzzle, um, especially knowing that Sherpas do receive care packages from the developers that, you know, come in the form of large amounts of ammo, armor, um, and, and, and good stuff from the game. To me, it just feels like the developers have chosen to completely distance themselves from the relationship that they have had with content creators up until this point. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a studio that works this closely with content creators of its game, you know, giving them stuff, creating in-game items that are, are themed after content creators and, and making it something that is required for certain tasks. Like, there's they're putting this promotion of a lot of these streamers in the player's face all the time. It, it's been a, an overwhelming amount of support. They have worked so, so closely with content creators and, and provided them so much support and, and validation and, and camaraderie, really. And just before all of this started to happen, we saw a change made to the game. There was a handful of streamers um, and YouTubers, content creators, that had a major issue with the recoil values on the guns in the game. And I've kind of gone on a complete hiatus with the game this wipe, so I I don't have a lot that I can speak to as far as the recoil, but the, the my understanding is that it just it was out of control. Um, it was not just unrealistic, but it was just unnecessarily difficult. It was an unnecessary obstacle to playing the game. And they there was criticism that 
was so widely heard and, and gained so much traction that it actually moved the dev team to make changes to the game. And from what I'm hearing, it's a lot better. But it was probably the first time I'd ever seen the creators actually force the dev team's hand in changing something about the game. And putting all of those puzzle pieces together, it felt like they, as a team, had created a precedent that they no longer wanted. They said, look, we we caved. These These creators had a grievance and we allowed them to influence us to change this. We can't let that keep happening. This may have been a good change. They may have had a point about it, but we can't let them just scream and shout until they get their way anymore in the future because they will just keep doing it and they're going to start choosing uh, things that we don't want to do that will fundamentally change the direction of the development of this game that, that we can't allow it anymore. And it, it feels like they've decided that that really close, tight-knit relationship that they've had with their content creators is a danger. That, okay, we have to remove our endorsement. We can't let these creators in so close to our process, so we have to cut ties. And it's unfortunate, because so much of what these creators have done is, is really just improve the game. They've promoted it really well. Um, they're constantly educating people on how best to play the game, which frankly, if I purchased Escape from Tarkov without anybody else to play with and just jumped right into the game and, you know, had to rely on my own interpretation of of how it all goes, I, I don't think I'd ever touch it. I'd, I'd play a couple of hours and be frustrated out of my mind. It is It is not an easy entry into the game. You really have to have somebody guiding you. Um, and like I said, there are communities of people who have been doing this regardless of of being, of even knowing each other. They, they are people that follow one streamer and ended up in the same Discord server and went, hey, I, I know this map really well. And if anybody needs help, like, come along with me. And then they, you know, they become friends. They grow relationships based on it. And like I had said, keep people engaged in the game. I don't think that Escape from Tarkov would be even close to what it is today if it weren't for the creators involved, the creators that have decided to love this game and their close relationship and, and collaboration with the developers. They, they really are the the beating heart of the game and i don't foresee the game doing very well without that relationship um i can kind of see why they felt that way but it, it really does feel like a hard hard left turn and i don't really think that it's gonna work out for him in the end which is too bad because the game has so much merit um and there at least was some love put into it um but i think it got i think it got too big for itself it was meant to be basically just a test of of a larger project that they have in the making and it i don't know i think it outgrew itself and i don't foresee it being 
the sensation that it is today for much longer. I had a couple of other things that I felt like talking about with this, but I am already pretty darn close to an hour. I <laughs> obviously had a lot to say today. Um, but thanks so much for listening. I am Thomasina. Uh, please check me out on all of the social medias, and especially twitch.tv slash Thomasina. And I can't wait to see you there.